Uh, the reading today is taken from Luke 14 and verses 15 to 24. One of the people at the table with Jesus heard him say these things. So he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in God's kingdom. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet. He invited many guests. Then the day of the banquet arrived. He sent his servant to those who had been invited. The servant told him, Come, everything is ready now. But they all had the same idea. They began to make excuses. The first one said, I've bought a field. I have to go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen. I'm on the way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became very angry. He ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of this town. Bring in, in those who are poor. Also bring in those who can't see or walk. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads, go out to the country lanes, make the people come in. I want my house to be full. I tell you, not one of these people who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Uh, one of the things that God's called me to do in my ministry, particularly as time's gone on, is to be somebody that can spot emergent talent. Uh, one of the things that I believe that I've uh, become uh, very adept at is getting great staff to come and join our team. I think we can all agree with that. I'm very particular uh, of those kinds of things, and I think we benefit from all of that. So I believe in this phase of my life and ministry, I'm all about finding those people that have got a call of God on their life, that have got a touch of God about them, that can bring a great ministry to others, and I love to enable and empower them. Uh, the other thing as I do is I hold on to this particular thing in the life of our church, the pulpit, very seriously and make sure that people who come to our pulpit to share God's word are equipped in my eyes uh, and in God's eyes to, to do that profoundly. One of the great things we had the experience of as a church before Ben joined us, another great talent, uh, thank you God, uh, as, a, uh, as an interim sort of situation in youth pastor is that Tom Fuchuk, uh, stood into that gap, into that space. He'd been youthing, leading youth for quite some time and he became our paid intern in that space. And then Tom's asked, asked after that, could he still remain a part of our team hub? Even though Ben had taken up his uh, position in the team, could he still part participate? So Tom's there at every staff meeting. Uh, he goes on our planning days, he's a part of our vision casting and we're deliberately building and mentoring him in that space. So today, Tom Fuchuk will preach his first sermon on a Sunday morning and uh, I know you're a great, yeah, a great welcoming congregation. There goes Ben just there, just coming to church, ben, you know. <laughs> you know, we love him but, you know, some rough edges we've got to work on, you know. Um, so we've got, uh, I know that we're an encouraging congregation. Uh, Tom and I have put our heads together and he's been reading some great books on this. He's going to share the best of his insights with us this morning. So can we give a warm and encouraging welcome to Tom, please? And some great affirmation at the end of the service. Tom, come and preach to us, brother.
Thanks for that warm welcome, Larry. It's always good to be welcomed by Larry, I think. Um, and I'm really excited to be here with you today uh, to share God's Word. Um, today we are looking at the King's Invitation uh, as part of our Advent series. Uh, last week we looked at the King has come and the week before was the King is coming. Uh, and this week we're going to look at who uh, the King invites. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to a wedding before. Um, some of you are a bit older than me and you probably have been to a few, um, but I have also been to quite a few weddings. I'm actually a wedding photographer um, and even yesterday I was just at one um, in Epping, but then up into the Central Coast for reception. We finished the bridal shoot literally just as I started lightning and pouring rain and we were running out with umbrellas trying to get out of there um, and we made it up the Central Coast in time. Um, this month I've actually been invited to four different weddings, uh, two as a photographer and two as groomsmen. Um, so all my friends are now getting married, I guess, and I'm being left behind, but at least I'm a groomsman. At least I'm involved there. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but each time I'm invited to a wedding, I, I'm actually quite honored, even as a photographer, even though it's as my job, I'm actually really honored that I can be invited to partake in a wedding experience. Um, I, I think I've just known from my siblings getting married and some of my close friends, how much money has gone into a wedding, um, the time and effort to choose the right people. Um, and just the, the, the great effort that's gone to make this big wedding a thing. Uh, I'm really honored to actually be a part of it. And I think one thing that uh, a lot of people uh, really love about weddings is the food. Um, you may know or may not that I am actually not much of a foodie. I really don't. I'm, I'm much more of like a, a bangers and mash kind of guy, just like the real standard kind of thing. Um, but I do appreciate it at a wedding occasionally. Um, <laughs> but one thing that I do really love at weddings is... Um, the candy table, if they ever have one. <laughs> and I think the greatest experience of a wedding banquet or feast was actually at my sister's wedding. Um, let's turn this on. My sister's wedding when we had this gigantic candy table assortment. Uh, this was about five years ago, and I was just, I was there all night. Uh, <laughs> I was not really eating the mains or the other things, but I was here, because this is my favorite thing to go to. This is my uh, bread and butter, I guess. Um, you may have experienced your own banquet experiences or wedding experiences that are really great in terms of food. Um, but I want to say to you today that the wedding feast that God is offering us goes beyond anything we've had before. And I want to ask you today, have you accepted this invitation to be a part of it? So let me just pray before we start. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much that we can open up your word today and look at this great story that uh, you have told through your son, Jesus. Father, I really pray today as, as I speak that it will be your words that are coming through my mouth, not mine. And Father, I pray that as I, as I come to invite people, as you come to invite people to experience you, to accept Jesus, Lord, I pray that you will be actually working in people's hearts right now, God. Lord, would you just uh, show yourself today through your spirit? In Jesus' name, amen. So I think that uh, a really important part of the Christian walk um, is to actually understand uh, the stories that are told in the Bible. Um, I think that uh, it's easy enough to just uh, hear a story and kind of like hear someone talk about something, but to actually learn and even experience these stories is actually a really key part of being a Christian. Um, I think over the last couple of weeks as I've meditated on this verse, it's been really amazing just to see uh, what God has actually been saying uh, in this story, and to actually be able to put myself in there is, is really amazing. I think the Gospels are really great at doing that. So 
I'm, I'm really encouraged to be able to come and actually journey through this story with you guys today. And I hope that you will actually learn it and uh, just know it more to actually be able to use in your everyday life. Uh, and as I go through this story, I'm going to focus on three different groups of people. I really do believe that God wants to speak to people's hearts today and uh, I encourage you to just um, be open to what God wants to say to you. So the story opens up in verse 15, as we heard, with a Pharisee saying, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Now, this seems like a pretty random thing to say, right? Um, Like, why is he saying all this kind of thing and and what prompts it? So I want to actually go back to the start of this chapter in Luke 14, uh, just to quickly give you some context about where this guy is coming from. So the opening of this chapter sees Jesus eating at a house of a Pharisee with a bunch of other Pharisees there. Um, and only within a few verses, these 14 verses here, he ends up kind of insulting everyone at this feast. <laughs> he makes it pretty tense and, and pretty um, awkward, I guess, for a lot of people there. Um, the first thing he does is he heals a man on the Sabbath. Um, now, this is a pretty big deal, but it's, it goes kind of against Jewish traditional law. Um, and and as, as the response, the, the Pharisees, they just remain silent. They're kind of like, okay, what is this guy doing? <laughs> The second thing, he then asked them an awkward question in verse 5 to 6 about working on the Sabbath. And again, they remain silent. And then finally, he criticizes both his guests for trying to get the best seat in the house as they eat. And then he he criticizes the host for just inviting his friends and not the blind or poor. So by verse 15, when we get to this Pharisee who is saying, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God, you can see that maybe he's just trying to relieve the tension. <laughs> he's just trying to like, okay, Jesus, you've done some crazy stuff here. Let's get on with this meal. Um, but I think there's a bit more behind this. When he talks about the one being blessed, he's really just talking about people like him, like Pharisees, like Jewish people of the law. Um, he's saying with great confidence that they're the ones that are going to experience this great feast, this great banquet. But they didn't really desire the feast, as Jesus was putting forth at least. They didn't really desire what Jesus was offering. And so that's why Jesus opens up their hearts to what is really going on by sharing this story or this parable. So I want to just go through the parable and uh, kind of re-talk through it and uh, give you some points about um, what this could actually mean. So an important person of a town is making preparations for this great banquet. He sends out invitations to all the people that he wants to come And when the actual banquet day arrived, he again sends out his servant to invite them to say, okay, the banquet's ready, let's go. Uh, This is a pretty traditional and kind of normal thing in Jewish culture at that time, that they would send out one invite first um, to let people know that the banquet's happening. People would accept, and then the second invite would come, and that's when people were to actually come straight to the banquet. It's actually happening today. Um, it's crazy, actually. I was reading about this in, in Arab culture. To decline this second invitation, to be like, actually, you know, I can't come now, is equivalent to saying, to declaring war um, on another tribe, which is mental. So, like, these invitations are pretty key. So, what do the people say? Um, the first person this servant goes up to, he says, I've just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. That seems fair enough, right? Um, if you've bought some new piece of land, you're trying to maybe renovate it, you want to just go there. This is, this is a big, big money involved, perhaps. Got a lot of time and, and effort invested into it. But as you start to break it apart a bit, you kind of think it's still going to be the, there the next day. <laughs> you can go see it the next day. And why would you buy a field without looking at it first? Like, why do you have to go and inspect it right now? 
Um, the second person the servant goes up to, he says, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on, my, I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Again, you may have thought this is kind of valid, but as I've said before, I think this is kind of weird. He's telling, you're telling me that you, you bought these oxen without even trying them before, without looking at them? I think that's pretty crazy. <laughs> the third person he goes up to, the servant goes up to, says, I just got married, so I can't come. So you might think, well, they're newlyweds. I think they've got a bit of excuse here. They're, they're having time together. They're trying to start their new life together. But as I said, the, the invite went out a long time ago. The invite was ready for them to come, and they've accepted it. So what are they doing getting married in this time, or at least choosing not to come now? They've committed to coming to this thing, and they're, now they're saying, well, we're married. We've we got other priorities. I think that these uh, excuses really cover two of the main excuses that we as people can come up with, things that are possessive, things that we own, that we can make excuses for, and things of affection, people and others. Um, so I think on the outset, these, these excuses do look pretty valid, but uh, they're really um, flimsy excuses for something that is much greater. And this would have really hit home for the people uh, in, the, in the house that they were having dinner with. Uh, these Pharisees, they'd been given this first invite, this first invitation to come to this banquet through the law, through Judeo law. Uh, they'd been thinking, yeah, we're secure, we're, we're here, we've accepted this invitation, and we're going to come to this banquet. Um, they thought that they were sweet, but they didn't, they didn't have anything else to do. But Jesus is clearly saying at the end of the parable that not one of these men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. And uh, I think this principle still applies today, even for us. So for people here who have already accepted Jesus, when life gets in the way, will you honor your decision? Um, I'm using a little bit of uh, some Facebook uh, rhetoric, I suppose, uh, in the form of the events that you use on Facebook. And if you're not a Facebook user, I'll try and explain it, explain it as I go. Um, but one of the things you can respond to on an event in Facebook is that you're interested to go. And for me, I often get... Um, uh, I sometimes get bias remorse, but I, I definitely get invitation remorse. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. But uh, often I'll get invited to events and I'll be super excited. I'm like, yes, this is like, say, my, my friend's birthday that's coming up in two months. I'm so keen. This is going to be the best thing ever. And maybe I'm a touch reserved, so I'll just hit interested instead of going. Um, but I'm still really keen to go get amongst. Um, but as the day gets closer and closer and closer, perhaps more events have come up. There's more invitations to other parties to... It's maybe doing something with my church friends. Maybe I've got like a bunch of work I need to do. There's other things that are coming up. And so I start getting a bit iffy. I'm like, well, at least I hit interested, right? I haven't said I'm going. Uh, maybe I won't go to this event after all. Um, I've actually been nicknamed by uh, some of my school friends because I, I do often uh, flake out from school events uh, is flake chuck uh, instead of futuck. <laughs> um, so I think that's a motivation enough not to uh, flake out any longer. Um, but I definitely, I definitely experience this invitation remorse. I don't know if you've ever have. The interesting thing about this is that um, the invitation and the event that's happening hasn't changed, right? The host is still the same. The things that are happening at the event are still the same. The time is still the same. Nothing about these events have actually changed. It's just that life has gotten in the way for me, and I have decided that I want to prioritize these other things over that invitation, uh, and it was the same for the Jewish people. As I said, they'd been given this first invitation through the law. But by the time Jesus had come, they'd gotten so high on their own mightiness, their own laws, their own power, that 
when Jesus says, hey, actually, I want you to follow me, and this is the way that you will come to the banquet, they're actually going, well, we've got other things on. So I want to ask you, what's your excuse? Are you willing to drop it, to lay down the things of this world, the things that easily um, come up in our lives for the banquet that Jesus is offering? I've got a couple examples here of things that maybe you could actually try and, and figure out is, if these are real in your life. Um, so perhaps it's, it's choosing to go to life group uh, instead of just relaxing at home after a hard day, choosing to invest in the people in your life group. Perhaps it's spending time with God for the first thing in the morning instead of uh, just going on your phone or reading the news. Perhaps it's showing kindness and unconditional love to a stranger who is, doesn't really deserve your kindness and unconditional love, but doing it anyway because that's what God is calling you to do. I don't know what it is in your life. It could be any number of things. But I want you to actually think about even in the two greatest commandments is to love God and love others. In your actions, in your day-to-day life, Are you actually responding to this invitation by loving God fully and loving others in your day? I think as we can't, if we if you become a Christian before, that's a really amazing and great thing. But it doesn't just end there with that one decision. Really, exercise of saying, "Yeah, God, I actually want to respond to this invitation. I want to respond to you and actually come to this banquet to choose a God event over a human event or a worldly event." So I want to ask: Have you accepted this second invitation? The story continues on with the servant reporting all these flimsy mistakes to his master. The master then becomes angry and tells the servant, all right then, well, if these people aren't going to come, I'm going to throw open the doors to all the sick, the invalid, the blind, the beggars, the the people who are outcasts, all the ragtags of society. I'm going to open the doors to them. So the servant goes off and he grabs all those invalid, the sick, the blind, the broken, the ragtags. He brings them in to the banquet hall. So his master looks around, looks at the banquet hall, is like, okay, this is looking pretty good. This is pretty nice. We've got some people here now. But I see at the back there's, there's still a few seats that are empty. So he gets his servant and says, all right, go out to all the people, even beyond just our town. I want you to go out to the country lanes, to the, the, the suburbs that are further out, to countries that are really far out from here. I want you to bring those people in. And actually, these people might not want to come straight away, so I want you to actually compel them to come. I want you to invite them and actually say, this is where you need to be. So he sends out the servant, and the servant does so. Now, I think there's a a twofold invitation going out here. The first is to the person who is in a broken way. They're in a messed up place, or they're an outcast in society, and they're needing something more in their life. The second, though, is to a people who don't even realize that they need this invitation, right? Like, they, they don't realize they're broken or sick or hurt. Um, they're perhaps ignorant of their state, of, of the fact that there's this awesome banquet going on. They're just kind of doing their own life. They don't really realize that that's happening. Um, but the servant goes out and says, for you to actually come and join in this banquet. This is actually a real prophetic message at the time for the Gentiles. Um, as you know, the, for Jewish culture, they were the chosen people to come uh, experience God, go to heaven. Uh, But Jesus here is really prophesying to say that, no, 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 the Israelites, they had their time with us, but I'm actually going to open it not just for the Israelites and not even just for the broken, but actually for anyone out there. This is for you. In essence, Jesus is saying that to the Jews in this room that you thought you had a place in this banquet, but it's now been given up to anyone else willing to accept it. 
I think this free gift of salvation is not restricted to a certain group, but it's actually open to all. And today there even might be people here who haven't even experienced that, who haven't accepted that before. So I want to ask you, have you accepted this invitation? Have you clicked not going and got to going on that Facebook invite? Um, Jesus shows how radical he is in this story here, right? Like he completely challenges the Jews by throwing open the doors to this invitation and allowing anyone else to come in. Uh, his death and resurrection on the cross, it's, it's something just like crazy when you think about it. It's not just a local invite. It's not like a national invite. It's an international invite to humanity. His death and resurrection on the cross has no borders. It doesn't care where you've been, what you've done, or how broken you are, or even how ignorant you are, even how much you think, well, it's not really for me. He still says it's open to you. I think a key to this, though, is first admitting your brokenness, right? Um, I, about a year ago, well, actually for the last several years, but specifically a year ago, I had some real lung issues, um, and I've had surgery now on both my left and right lung, so I'm really sweet now. But um, for a while there, I, I would occasionally have these collapsed lungs, um, and it, was, it sounds pretty crazy, but it was just kind of this minor thing, kind of hurt for a bit. Um, and the easy way to fix that is to get the surgery, and you'll be sweet. But obviously, that's a lot of... Um, hassle, I guess. <laughs> um, so for a long time there, I, I had this, I kind of knew in theory I had this issue here, but I just didn't really want to admit it. didn't really want to say like, oh, well, let's do something about it. Uh, and this actually led to me quite, uh, unfortunately, in start of this year, um, I was planning a trip to Japan with my brother and, and uh, his uh, wife. And a couple, two days before the trip, um, I had another one of these little collapsed lungs, pretty normal. I was feeling fairly okay, but I started to think about, wait, can I really fly with, these, with this uh, collapsed lung? And we actually went to the hospital to check it out, and they said, uh, yeah, no way. You're not flying for like six to 12 weeks. And I was like, okay, this is uh, kind of throwing all my plans out the window. Um, it was pretty sad to not be able to go on that trip. Um, and so eventually I did get the surgery, and now I'm really good, and I think it's, it's fine. Um, but I was ignorant to the fact that I actually needed mending, ignorant to the fact that I was really needing something to uh, heal me. In Mark chapter 2, verse 17, Jesus echoes the sentiment. He says, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I think as part of the human condition, as much as we think we're great and, and awesome, we are actually sick. I think the question to us today is, is, will you admit it? Will you say that I'm sick and in need of some mending? Finally, we get to the third person and character in the story. But you might realize that I've actually finished the story. <laughs> um, who is this third person? There is one more character that I think can be easily overlooked, and it's the servant. Um, I know when I first read this, I was super focused on the inviter, the master, and really focused as well on the, the guests who are already coming or the people who were invited last minute. Um, but I think it's really easy to overlook the servant, right? Um, he seems fairly irrelevant in the scheme of things. Um, but when you look at this great banquet and this story, it doesn't actually work at all without the servant. The story breaks down. It doesn't work at all if the servant is not involved. Uh, I think this dynamic between the servant being sort of irrelevant in people's eyes, yet being completely relevant to this story, is really key for our lives today. Um, so I want to ask you today, if you've if you have accepted this invitation to be part of the banquet, if you do call yourself a Christian, have you responded to the master to tell others about him?
Um, if you want a Facebook analogy for this one, uh, I don't have it there, but I'd say it's the co-host. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in an, an event before. Someone will create an event on Facebook, and you might get invited as a co-host to be part of this event. Uh, now, that sounds pretty prestigious, right? Like, oh, yeah, I'm hosting this event too. I'm going to make some changes. I'm going to do things. But generally, when I've been in, made a co-host, it's literally just for me to go invite my friends, and that's it. I'm not having any say of the event. They just want me to get in there and invite my own friends so we get the numbers up and hopefully some more people attracted to it. Um, in Romans 8.17, it talks about this idea of having partnership with Christ. It says, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. As a Christian, we're automatically made to be a co-host with Christ, a co-heir. And it's by sharing in his sufferings that this is actually possible. It says, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Inheriting the kingdom of God as, a, as an heir or, or host uh, is actually inheriting the kingdom of God that is on earth, right? Jesus says that he's coming to bring the kingdom of God to, he- kingdom of God to earth. Um, and I think that really asks, it, it makes us ask the question of like, how are we actually involved in this kingdom of God on earth? Are we actually a big part of this or are we just kind of leaving that to whoever else can do it? Um, I think it can be hard sometimes. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be the first to say it. When I've tried to tell my friends about Jesus or, or share this message, this invitation, um, I have gotten flack occasionally. Um, I think maybe not as bad as some other people in other nations where there's actually real persecution happening. But yeah, it, it can be hard for our spirit, our own ego, whatever it is. I think we can find that uh, difficult. But really, when we come down to the, the point here, it's that this, this, um, this thing is between Jesus and the people. It's not about us. It's not about our own ego or our own faults or, or feeling inadequate about asking people and them rejecting us. When people do reject us, if that happens, it's not about you being a failure, but it's about them dealing with the God of heaven. Um, I think it's also really great, though, as we go into this kind of field to be able to share Jesus and to be able to, especially around Christmas time, as it's really great time to be able to share Jesus, um, is that we know that Jesus has actually gone before us. We share in the suffering with him. It's not like he's like, okay, you go and suffer over there. I'm going to stay here and be fine. He's actually suffered and died on the cross for us. And he goes with us in this journey. As we look to the story, we see that the servant is simply conveying a message. He goes back and forth between the master and the people, between the master and the people. And, and the, invite, the, the invitees reject him, but the real action is actually be, between them and the master. So I just want, really want to remind you that um, as you share Jesus with others, it's not about you. Don't heap the pressure and fear of them rejecting you or, or, or kind of putting you away. It's, it's actually all about him and relying on him and his spirit to actually say the right things and to convey that message. So I want to uh, actually leave you guys with some real practical application. I think it's really good to, to apply some of these things we're thinking about. And there's three different um, categories here and people that I want to talk to. Um, so the first one is, if you're that first person who has accepted this invite and they feel like, you, you might feel like, yeah, I do struggle to actually respond to that second invitation, to actually follow him daily. Uh, I want to just give you one little thing you can do this week. Um, and that is to write down one me event that could be a God event. 
Maybe it's one of those things I shared before um, that we often, that we may prioritize before God. Uh, maybe it's something else you can think of, but I really encourage you, even before you leave this church today, to actually write that down so that you can start this week well. Um, see, the, the, these people who were invited were like, yeah, we've got this covered and we, we're just doing our own thing. That's cool. We can do that. But I think God is really challenging you to say, when the time comes, when God calls you to actually respond to him, will you give up your worldly things, your worldly possessions, your worldly uh, agendas to follow his agenda? So this could be a really good way. I'm, I'm going to try and do this as well, to actually write down something that you feel is, is withholding you from really coming to Jesus and responding to that second invitation. For those people who um, may have never experienced Jesus Christ before, um, I think that's a really exciting thing that you're here today with us. Um, and I really just want to encourage you to talk to someone about it. Uh, talk to someone who invited you or, or talk to a friend. Um, this invitation to come and experience the banquet is the greatest invitation possible. Jesus' blood and death on the cross is, allows for us to have this free gift. And I think that, yeah, even just to ha start having that conversation with someone about, maybe I am like that person who is broken, who is sick. Or maybe I don't even realize it. Maybe I've just been like, well, this isn't really for me. I encourage you to talk to someone about it and find out more. And the final person um, that I want to talk to today, and real practical thing, is that person who is the sender, the person who is going to send out that invitation, who's going to share that, and who is the co-host. Um, and I encourage you to actually grab a friend and share some Christmas flyers. As Larry was saying before, and Jess has prepared earlier, um, we have a real opportunity to be able to go out to the streets here, to these people in Epping, or, or wherever you're from, and, and share a flyer that says, hey, come along to Christmas and you might hear about Jesus. Like, that's a really easy thing to do. And um, I'm not saying you have to do it, but I think it's actually something to really consider is, will I respond to Jesus and say, yeah, I can go out there. I can actually share this with someone, maybe have a conversation. It's not really that hard. And I really encourage you that it's not about you. It's between them and Jesus. So this Christmas, um, Jesus is inviting you to respond to him. Will you accept this magnificent, open and free invitation? Whether it's to respond in your day-to-day -day life and actually say, I'm going to choose the God event over the me event. Whether it's to accept Jesus for the first time, which is an amazing thing to do. Or whether it's to actually share the word of God with other people. I want to say to you today that Jesus' invitation is for all and it's now that is the time to respond. So would you join me with me in prayer as we wrap up? Dear Lord, we just thank you so much that you have given us your son, Jesus. Lord, as we think about in December now, as we can remember uh, Jesus coming as a little child, little baby, it's, it doesn't just end there. He goes on to become this man who teaches, who heals, who brings these amazing stories of, of the kingdom of God and ultimately dies on that cross for us. God, we are eternally thankful for what you have done. And I pray, Lord, that as we go into, as a church, as we go into uh, Christmas especially, Lord, that you will help us to respond to this invitation. God, would you take down our barriers, take down the walls that are around us, the things that we think are our own priorities, our own um, ways of living that aren't yours. And God, would you really challenge us, challenge our hearts to respond to you this Christmas. Thank you so much for who you are, God. Amen.